0: The National Council of Teachers of English hosted a conference with sessions titled Lil Wayne in the Classroom, Queerness and Graphic Novels, and Many Other Topics. On a brighter note, the Washington Post released an article highlighting homeschooling as the fastest growing form of education in America. And finally, a public school in Florida is considering implementing a classical education curriculum in the next school year. We are going to discuss all of this and more. My name is Soren Schwab. And this is Office Hours with Jeremy Tate. Welcome back to the Anchored Podcast. And thank you for joining us for episode two of our new series, Office Hours with Jeremy Tate. I'm here at CLT headquarters in Annapolis with none other than our founder and CEO, Jeremy Tate. Jeremy, brother, how are you doing today? to see sir. Good. Yeah, we got we got jam-packed agenda today. Let's let's start with this. And I just we're sometimes shying away you know, from leading in too much in certain controversial topics. But but I feel like we have to cover this. So so our our friend Daniel Buck was kind of blasting this all over Twitter, and it was the National Council of Teachers of English, the NCTA. They're hosting a conference, and and it's bonkers.
1: <laughs> the, the, yeah,
0: not about what to do about the literacy crisis in our country, right? Like, hey, our authors yeah. can't read. It's, i uh, just give you a few, and then I would love to hear your comments. <clears throat> How to use CRT to deepen our teaching of literature. Wasn't CRT <laughs> that. in K-12 education, right?
1: I. That's right.
0: Learning for critical consciousness. Books that inspire activism. Youth climate activism. Embracing bodies with... Books, I think that has rumor Alert" written all over it. yeah And so these are these are English teachers, teachers in the humanities that are getting training for what they're doing in K twelve. Just, just your thoughts on that?
1: Creepy and weird are the thoughts. I mean, what was the one about Little Wayne? It's just Little Wayne in the
0: classroom.
1: It's this desperate attempt to chase after being relevant to students. If there's one thing you know, a teenager doesn't want their fifty five year old English English teacher talking about, it's Little Wayne. That's like their world. That's their territory. They're like, stay out. Teach me about something, you know, in your world. It's this, this very silly, it's embarrassing almost, chasing after being relevant to students. You know, I think, Soren, what we see in the classical space is that when a teacher shows kids, hey, this book, this story, you know, The Odyssey, it's been around for 2,500 years. It's been passed down generation after generation, and now it's your turn. You know, that's timeless. That's beautiful. And and students can be drawn into something instead of teachers desperately trying to get into their world.
0: Yeah. And, and I want to pick your brain a little bit on the on the idea of activism. And, and just a very quick story. I was in New Hampshire last year. My wife and I would travel a lot. And I was in New Hampshire and and we were sitting next to this lovely couple. And I could I heard an accent. And so I asked, you know, as a German, like, okay, I like accents. Where where are you from? And she said, We're from Iceland, but our kids. You know, we, we we moved to the U.S. because we we wanted our kids to to go to school here, but we changed our mind pretty quickly. And I said, "Oh, wh- wh- why is that?" She said, "Well, I am very liberal. I, I am a very liberal person. I want to say that up front." But she said, "I did not come to the U.S. to send my kids to school to become activists. I send them to school here to learn how to read and write so that they can later on become activists, right?" And so I think even I think even politically, right on the left there's still this sense of w- w- why w- is education only about activism these days? And and when you look at some of these titles, climate activism, books to inspire activism, are, are we still educating the whole person? Or is it really, you know, is there really a, a deeper purpose behind this? And, and I think the N- NCTE has, has an opinion on it. But what are your thoughts on this idea of education? Yeah, you
1: know, I think about, about the 1960s liberal, and they were very different, and they were very well read. And you think about the the Democrats that took over Berkeley campus, right? Yeah. Uh, and these were these were activists, but they were well read and they weren't educated to go out with marching orders and be activists. So, and I'm not making this up. I went to a protest in Maryland, and I just I walked up to the protest to say, "What are you protesting about?" Talked to three different people and got three different answers. You know why they were protesting at this particular protest. I think it, it's exciting to be told the world's in, unjust and go out there and demand demand justice and be part of that but to do it out of ignorance is just folly.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's really really well said. One one related topic just just briefly that I want to talk about and obviously we're at CLT we're in kind of in the testing sphere and and you've you've tweeted about this before right the idea that when have we bought into that notion that that education is values neutral, right? That education is is really just this neutral thing that we're. It's not right, and and at CLT we, we at least are honest about that and say, well, if anything, if they have to be indoctrinated, quote unquote, right, then it should be in truth, goodness, and beauty. But but our our friends over at the College Board, of <laughs> uh, saw this uh, College Board's AP Classroom platform. There's, there was a leak. And, and, and someone someone posted a, a screenshot of a question from an AP human geography test. Yes. And, and I think you saw that, right? And it was a... Caroline uh, Andrews. Yeah, it was Caroline Andrews. You're right. You're right. Uh, it was a, a graph and it was birth rates and death rates in selected countries. And they had France, Mexico, India, Egypt, Nigeria, and so forth. And then they had birth rates and, and death rates. And essentially, the, the correct answer to this was, was France and the, the the reason was it was about female empowerment the data in the table can be used to describe high level of female empowerment for which of the following countries and the answer was france why because they have the lowest birth rate so essentially right equating low birth rates with female yeah. empowerment you're a father of six. I
1: oh my goodness there, right <laughs> yeah I, you know i mean the babylon b could not make this up as satire i i mean all they're giving students is a table of birth rates and death rates and they're saying who has been the most empowered, the women that are having the fewest number of babies. I think didn't Queen Victoria have have six babies? I think she was probably a woman of power, right? She was one of the longest reigning monarchs of England. This idea is is antinatalist. It, this is this is a yeah. toxic, idea that the college board is pushing and they've been exposed to. It. And I, I think this is why, Soren, what we're doing at CLTs is really resonating with people is they they know the college board has been pushing this toxic nonsense and doing it for a long time, but there just hasn't been anywhere else to go. And now there is.
0: Yeah. Well put. Well put. For our topic too, and, and we're, we're so excited about this at uh, the Washington Post, writing an article and, and actually a positive article kind of highlighting the growth of the homeschool movement. And so that the title, Homeschooling's Rise from Fringe to Fastest-Growing Form of Education. And just to provide some numbers, in states with comparable enrollment figures, the number of homeschool students increased by 51% over the past six years, far outpacing the 7% growth even in private school enrollment. So, Wow. Fifty-one yeah. percent, and we can say that's that's more than just a COVID bump, right? It's, it points to a larger trend. Yeah,
1: and, and good on the Washington Post. This article I thought was not—they weren't pushing an opinion. You yep. know, they they did quote well, the Harvard uh, Bartlett, you know, who was who said, "Well, what are they all learning?" And she wants to see more regulation. But for the most part, they're reporting numbers. They did a lot of their own research, and one of the sub stories in this one that was so interesting to me was that this is across all demographics. It's you know New York City. More than doubling since 2017 in, in students homeschooling. And, you know, they also talk about the fact that everybody predicted, you know, when COVID ends, the kids will go back. And the Washington Post acknowledged they didn't really go back, right? A few went back, but not nearly as many as they expected to. A uh, really, really important article and an incredible story. I mean, homeschooling was basically illegal in most states just 40 years ago. And yeah. to go from that, to the most popular or fastest growing uh, kind of education, it's just it's just an incredible story.
0: Yeah, it's still illegal in in most European countries, including in my own Germany.
1: In Germany, do people think it's that homeschooling is crazy? Like, what do they think of homeschooling?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, and, I, <laughs> and I, when I moved to the US, I thought that too, right? But but in a way, I mean, that's just you grew up with. Well, of course, the state knows best, and you know, and so you need state credentialing. Right to be able to educate children. I mean, I, I not until I came to Hillsdale. And I, I spoke with some homeschool students that defied all the stereotypes that I had. I had to check my own biases, right? But I, I was one of them. I'm guilty, absolutely guilty. And I, and I think now that I'm on the road so much, you know, and I'm around uh, sometimes public school students, homeschool students, I, I think we're going to see kind of a switch, uh, you know, kind of a flip in in how how the general population views. Homeschool students, right? Like the quote unquote socially awkward, don't know. I think it's going to be the opposite because homeschool students know how to be articulate, right? They know how to have a conversation. They know how to make eye contact when they talk to an adult versus versus like some some kids in the public school, not to generalize. And I'm sure there's some in the private school, but, you know, they look down, look at their phone, you know, uh, or not necessarily you know, following proper English grammar. So I, I think there's going to be going to be a change in our perception. But the Post estimates that there are now between 1.9 million and 2.7 million homeschooled children, depending obviously on the reliability of the data. That's that's amazing. And and just a little quiz for you. The largest contributor to the growing number of homeschool students is the state of blank New York. It is not New York. It is not New York. It is Florida. It is. It right. is. It is Florida. I saw that yeah. in, in
1: one county. There is leading the way, right? Hillsborough County.
0: I think H- Hillsborough, yeah, ten, around Tampa area. Yeah, I think ten thousand students are, are being taught, being taught at home, and so. Yeah, interesting, interesting statistics for sure. And speaking of Florida, I feel like we've been speaking about Florida a lot with, with CLT, but it's it's a it's a great state for education freedom and been good to good to CLT. But the Miami Herald, our our friend Summer Bruegel, we, we got to meet her down at an event in, in West Palm Beach. She published an article a little while ago uh, titled, Classical Education May Be Rolled Out at Miami-Dade School. And so the there's a conversation in, in Miami-Dade School District, which I know it's the largest in Florida. It, I think it's top three or, or top five school districts in the country. They are considering converting, so to speak, one of their elementary schools to a classical model would be the first of its kind so far, the closest has been kind of our classical charter school friends, but never any kind of district district model. Yeah, thoughts thoughts on that, Jeremy?
1: You know, I, I talk to some folks on the ground about this in Florida, uh, and what I was told was that the, the demand was so overwhelming, the conversation went from having a classical tract to just making it all classical, right? And I, I think that's because when parents know that the, the kids at the classical charter school down the street are being offered, a, they're being given a superior kind of, of education. I mean, who is going to opt out of the classical tract and go with the you know modern progressive tract instead? Very, very few parents. And I think it's brilliant to kind of force parents to decide or at least give them that option. I think you give every parent that option. Classical is going to win nine times out of ten.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah, I yeah, know you're right. And, and and you know more about this than I do, but I, the the University of Florida – I believe it's the, is it the Hamilton
1: Center, right? That's right. The new honors college there. That's right.
0: Yeah. And so, and I know Flackler, they have a kind of a classical ed program. So it seems like that there is a growing demand for it. And why not use a model that, based on all metrics, is is being really successful and offer that to more families? Of course, the article also, you know, talks about, well... It's kind of a conservative education model. Summer uses kind of DeSantis quite a bit and and pushing it down. And but to me, it, it seems like that transcends politics, right? Like if you're if you're a parent, no matter where you're from, you know what your politics are. You want your kids to be able to read and write. Yeah. And so if there's a school in your district that that is best at that, should be no brainer. Totally.
1: You know, so when I think about a conversation with our our mutual friend, Kevin Roberts, over at the Heritage Foundation, and Kevin was telling me that when he came to Texas Public Policy, was where he was before Heritage, in 2016, he said, you couldn't really say out loud then you were classically educating your kids, especially at home, right? And you fast forward seven or eight years, and it is most leaders like Kevin you talk to are are classically educating their own children. I mean, this has been a seismic shift. the fact that we're talking about an entire county, and look, I think people are going to move, you know, to people are going to move, people are going to want the same thing. We're going to see this go statewide, I think, in Florida, and then other states, I think, copying what they're doing there. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super encouraging. And maybe, yes, maybe something that initially started, you know, as a red state issue, as many things have started. But ultimately, totally. right once 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 parents see that it don't, doesn't not really matter the politics there. We want what's best for our kids.
1: Both parties do this, you know. They'll they'll rename the same concept and make it their <laughs> own thing. So they'll they'll rename it something else, and you know, blue blue state folks will get on board with it at some point as well, and we'll be excited for them when that happens.
0: Right. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, this was this was delightful as always, Jeremy. Before I let you go, some folks that follow you on Twitter probably saw that you were recently. In Rome, with a group of Catholic superintendents and heads of school, just give us a, a thirty second, you know, highlight of of your trip and 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 you know how, how was that?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the highlights, two of the highlights, uh, Castel Gandolfo was incredible. It's where the, the Pope's summer residence. It's a beautiful, beautiful town about ten miles south. It's where the University of Dallas summer campus is is right near there. And we also did so something called a, a Scavi tour, which is Underneath St. Peter's Basilica, they have all these mausoleums and ancient burials there, as well as the bones of St. Peter. It was—it was just people. It was a great group of some Catholic heads of school. And my main takeaway was just that the the future uh, of Catholic education is is very bright. I'm I'm super optimistic. I think it's uh, it's only going up from here.
0: Awesome, wonderful. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, I know you're a busy man. Thanks for for joining again today. The second episode of Office Art, Jeremy. Right, thanks for having me, brother. Merry Christmas to you and yours. You and yours.